Let's just become aware of the presence of God. He's already in this space. He desires to meet with you even more than you want to meet with him today. So Lord, make us aware of your presence as we worship you this morning. We love you. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. Nothing can compare your living home. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is
fantastic worship. Good morning, church. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Father, we come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We just thank you for this wonderful, blustery, beautiful Colorado day that you have called for us to come to church to worship you. Father, we pray that you would open our eyes to see the vision that you have for us as your disciples and for this church. We pray that you would open our ears to hear your word and that you would open up our hearts to see your, your vision for where we're going. Thank you, Father. We pray for these things in the name of Jesus Christ, your only Son and our only Savior. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name's Tyler. I'm the director of local outreach for New Life Church North. And I have a little secret to share with you. And I need you to keep it just between you and me. <laughs> um, I have the best job in New Life Church. I get to oversee our local outreach, which means all over the Pikes Peak region, we're going into senior care facilities. We're going into homeless embankments. We're going into foster um, services to provide support for them. We're going into prisons. As a matter of fact, um, tonight we're taking a group of volunteers into a prison in Pueblo called YOS. It stands for Youthful Offender Services. It's for kids that were convicted of what we most of us would consider heinous crimes when they were minors and sentenced as adults, usually to 20, 30, 40 year sentences. This is one of the darkest prisons that we go to. And I'll be honest with you, it's the one that probably brings me the most fear, but also the most hope. Because the darker the place, the more our light shines. 
we were there a couple of months ago. We, we, go, um, we go every other Sunday. We were there a couple of months ago. We met a young man named Cologne. And we were talking to Cologne and he gave us his family history about how his father was in and out of prison. When his father was home, he would stay with his father because his mother was addicted to drugs and wasn't able to care for him. He did have a grandmother that took him to church, but this boy, he didn't have a, a worldly father that he could count on. And so one of our volunteers got up behind Cologne, put his hands on his shoulders and prayed over him. And we spent the rest of that session, we threw the program away, we spent the rest of that day talking about our heavenly father. And this is only this is only possible because we have a church that invests in outreach, that invests in take, taking the kingdom of God into these dark places. I thank God every day that I work for a church that has that kind of heart. And it all starts here, folks. It all starts with your generosity, both financially and also as volunteers. Coming together, we make a difference. I know we make I know that day we made a, a difference in Cologne's life. And he has been there at every session that we've had since. He's been praying, he's been reading scriptures, he's been leading our program, and he's on his way to better things. So just, church, thank you so much. And I'd like to just end in prayer. Um, dear Father, um, as we come together today in worship, um, may, may the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart be pleasing in your sight so that we build your kingdom to your glory. Amen. Yes, Lord. Where there is no way, you make a way. Where no one else can reach us, you find us. Where there is no way, you make a way. Where no one else can reach us. trust you. Thank you for letting us partner with you in giving. Lord, thank you for all the ways that you use us for your glory. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Amen. Well, at this time, um, the kids can be dismissed to go to their classes. The rest of you turn and greet one another. We'll be right back up here with the word in just a moment. Thank you. Good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Hey, good morning, New Life Manitou Springs. Good morning. Happy New Year. I, I said last week, you could say Happy New Year all this month, in my opinion. So Happy New Year. It's freezing out there. I told Dave Wolf over here, he was playing guitar. I was like, it's freezing out there. He said, no, 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 no. Freezing would be nice. That would be, that would, it is cold out there. Thanks for being here. I realize I'm probably talking to a lot of people online this morning that couldn't get out of your driveways or your car didn't start. So that is an excellent resource. We would much rather have you here in person, worshiping, being in the community of Christ. But if you're at home and you can't get here, then uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, would you turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. If you brought a Bible or if you have the Bible on your phone or if you have neither, that'll be okay. We'll, we'll put the uh, scripture on the, uh, on the screens in just a minute. But the title of this sermon is exactly the first line of the gospel of John. It says this, the title of today's sermon is, The Word Was With God and the Word Was God. And we'll explain what this sentence means throughout the course of this sermon. 
But this particular passage, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, this may be the most significant and pointed passage that we have in all of Scripture that shows us that Jesus is God. John opens up this book uh, with this this fact, this uh, testament that Jesus is God, and then he spends the rest of all 21 chapters describing what God is like in this person of Jesus. So we believe and we hold to Jesus as God. Can, can the church say amen to that? Amen. Um, I remember I had, uh, just reading this passage is very special to me because uh, it's a passage that I have uh, studied. It's a passage in seminary. So I had to think this morning if I was really right. So 22 years ago, I was in seminary. I was working on my master's degree at Fuller Theological Seminary, and I was taking a Greek hermeneutic and exegesis class. And in this class, the teacher started very first day. He said, I'm going to tell you what the final exam is. It's not going to be easy, but I'm going to tell you what it is now so that you can study and prepare for the final exam. And he said, the final exam, I am going to give you an English version of John chapter 1, and you're going to have to produce... At the end of this semester, you're going to have to produce the Greek version of John chapter 1. And we were all like, oh my gosh, this is hard. He's like, I know it's going to be hard, but I, I got, you got this whole semester to study and prepare. And so as, as a group of friends, we would get together and we would work on this and we knew what we were aiming for. And somebody in the group had the great idea. It was almost like, like cheating or something. He said, hey, what if we just memorized the Greek version of John chapter one. And we all kind of looked around, was like, is that cheating? Is it, no, no, it can't be cheating. It's just, you know, it's just the way we're gonna study. Let's just memorize it. And we thought we were so cool. We're high-fiving each other, like, this is gonna be awesome. We're gonna pass, of course, we're gonna do great. And the final day came, and we all had it memorized, and we got an A, and we even told the teacher, hey, guess what? We memorized the, 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 the first chapter of John. And he said, I know, that's what I wanted you to do. <laughs> And I just thought, like, what a genius teacher, like, giving us this assignment so that it, it became our choice. Like, let's do this. And we memorized in Greek this first chapter of the Gospel of John, and I've had it memorized in English as well. And I say that to say this, what I'm going to read to you today is one of those passages well worth memorizing. It's one of those passages we stand on. And as a pastor, I stand on this passage and read it with very high regards to what the word of God can do. We're going to read this passage today. And, and I won't be surprised if, if some of you just, just come to a, a decision even this morning. If in the course of this sermon, you, like when God shows up and the light of the world shows up, our lives are changed. Our lives are conformed to him. Addictions flee. Darkness runs away. When the word of God gets implanted in us and we see what it is that John is telling us that Jesus is God. He is the light come into this world. There is power. So with that understanding of scripture, would you stand with me? We're going to read John chapter 1. I'm going to read it. You can follow along in your text, whether it's uh, the Bible you brought or your cell phone or up here. These words, or maybe you have it memorized. It's a great passage to memorize. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 14 says this. Would you take a moment? Would you pause and listen to this word being read over you? It says, in the beginning was the word. 
The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. So everything that's made, he's going to say this. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him, he's talking about Jesus. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And by the way, if you, if you're wondering who this John is, this is not the author of this book. This is gonna he's gonna describe this as John the Baptist. So verse six says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all might believe. He himself, talking about John, was not the light. He came only as a witness to testify to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who do receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see that? If you want to be a child of God, what do you got to do? Verse 12 says, receive him and believe in his name. And you'll be a child of God. Verse 13 says, a child born not of natural descent or of human decision or of husband's will, but born of God. And then this final verse, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, this significant passage uh, draws a line for us that that either has us believing that Jesus is the one who, who is God, we're praying to you now, or you're not. And, and Lord, we believe, we hold as a church that you, Jesus, are fully God, that you come into this world to save and to redeem, to be light in the darkness. And you've come to that which is of your own because you created everything. And some of us, the, the world doesn't recognize you. But Lord, to all who do, to all believe in your name, You've given the right to become a child of God. So, Lord, we meditate on this passage. Lord, would you open our eyes? Would you open our hearts to understanding you more deeply? Lord, we pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people shouted, amen. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. Uh, The first point is the same as the title. Do you remember what the title was? The same title is the very first words of John the gospel, John chapter one, verse one. This is point one. It's the same point as, as the title. It is the word was with God and the word was God. And if you believe that this passage is clearly talking about Jesus, the word, and we'll describe this word in the Greek and um, we'll talk more about this, this, this phrase that is a mystery of, of what's going on here. But if you believe that Jesus is God, well, that, that makes you a Christian. That, and that separates our beliefs from any other religion in the face of the earth. You know, uh, a lot of Buddhists, a lot of Hindus, even uh, Muslims in, in the Quran and in, in the Muslim faith, Jesus is mentioned. Jesus is mentioned as a prophet in, in other religions, including the Quran. But what makes the, the line in the sand for Christians and what makes Christianity different than every other religion on the face of the earth is that we hold and we believe that what Jesus said about himself was true, that he is God. Amen? 
And that's what we hold. So, so this morning, uh, we're going to be opening up the book of John. And uh, we're starting a new series this morning. I don't know if I s- said that yet. But this morning, we're going to be in the Gospel of John between now and Easter, Resurrection Sunday. So when it starts to get a little warm out, I know it's hard to believe today, being so cold. But, but we're going to be in this series for quite a few weeks studying and looking at the book of John. And the book of John is all pointed at Jesus. It starts off with these words. The beginning was the word, that's Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So that's how this book begins, is Jesus was God, is God, was always God, and nothing was created without him, is what this goes on to say. And we'll explain that in just a moment, and what this, the Greek here is going on, because it's a little mysterious how it's worded in the English. Um, but the book of John is one of those excellent books to read. If, if you're not that familiar with, with the Bible or with Christianity or with church. If, if someone came to me and said, hey, Joe, uh, I've never really gone to church. I've been a couple times as a kid. I really just want to get into the Bible. What book should I read? What book would I tell? What book would you say? John is a great book to read. It's, it's very simple. I mean, you could start in the beginning, like, like, like what you're supposed to do. If you have a book, you start at the beginning, and the beginning of the book of the Bible is Genesis. You could start in Genesis. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I think if, if you're totally new to church and the Bible and Christianity, I think you would get bogged down in Genesis. Uh, there's a lot of confusing historical things in the ancient Middle East, and it, it moves very quickly from one character to another. And I've always thought, like, well, if, if I'm going to set you up for success and just tell you what Christianity is all about and what the Bible is all about, my personal opinion is to start with one of the Gospels. And I, I think the simplest Gospel in language, in, in scope, is the Gospel of John. It's a great place to start. Some of you, if you've ever been asked that question, or maybe you're like, I've, I've, I would like to start studying the Bible and, and getting into the Word more deeply. Where should I start? Start in John. You know where I started? Here's a little rabbit trail for you. I had a friend in high school. I was Raised in the church, my parents are here, they brought me to church, and uh, it wasn't until high school when I kind of decided, like, I'm going to make faith my own, and I had a friend who was a Christian, and I would eat lunch with this friend, his name is Bo Bannister, he's another pastor somewhere, and um, I asked him, hey, what book of the Bible should I start reading? I want to learn more about the Bible and Christianity, what book of the Bible should I read? And here's what he told me. This crazy friend of mine at lunch, he said, well, I'm kind of reading through the Bible. I just started Job. How about you read Job? (laughs) And some of you are laughing because you know Job is not a good book to like give to someone who's trying to figure out what Christian, like I'm coming from, like I've never read a book of the Bible before and I'm wanting to read a book and he told me Job, it's about a story. Do you know the story? A man loses everything and then it's, it's the philosophical debate of the, of the problem of evil, a very complex book and most of the book is Job's friends telling Job why he, all these bad things happened to him and in the very end of the book of Job, God comes and he speaks. It's a fantastic ending. It is a beautiful book. And, but God says that what the friends have been saying is all wrong. So whatever percent of the book of Job is Job's friends talking, that percent is all just nonsense. It's Job's friends telling Job nonsense and God corrects it. So don't start with the book of Job like I did. 
But you know what that did for me? I had so many questions, as you can imagine. So what it did do for me is every lunch period, when I see my friend Bo, I would say, so what's the deal with this and this? And I just have so many questions. And it kept me like really engaged. It gave me a challenge. And so uh, I, I thank my friend Bo for the recommendation. I thank him for walking with me through the text of scripture. But if you have a friend who's asking you what book to read, for goodness sakes, tell them John, okay? John. Uh, invite your friends all this sermon series. Uh, I've, I've said this, uh, I said this last week. Um, uh, invite people who don't normally come to church because through the book of John is a very simple story of who Jesus is, why you should follow him, and, and what salvation is all about. So every Sunday, one, at one chapter after another, we're going to be working our way through this series on the gospel of John. And it's going to be Simple. It's going to be foundational. It's going to be reminding us of who Jesus is and pointing to him. If some of you uh, aren't that great at evangelism or inviting your friends, I mean, I think of several of you in here are just incredible at that. I think of Allie and Taylor Stanton, who are just, they're always bringing friends. It just comes easy to them. And, And they're inviting, some of you might say, yeah, my friends are kind of hostile when it comes to religion or my friends outside of church, the place where I work or I go to school. Uh, it's, just, it's just not easy to bring up this stuff. It's not easy to evangelize. Let me give you a conversation just to bring this up. This is not a script. This is just how easy it could be. If you're prayerfully thinking about conversations and inviting people and evangelizing and, and telling people about the good news of Jesus, like it all has to begin somewhere. Like you don't just start a conversation. I mean, you could start a conversation with, do you know Jesus? Can I pray with you right now? Do you know the four spiritual laws? You could start a conversation like that. But I would say that's a little awkward, wouldn't you say? And so I would say, here's, here's a way. You say, what did you do this weekend? And the person says, well, I froze my tail off. Although if they're not a Christian, they might say it a little differently. Uh, I froze something off. And uh, it's like, maybe watch some football, but I didn't watch the Broncos because they're done and blah, blah, blah. And they might ask you, what did you do this weekend? And if you're prayerfully looking at ways to you know, add salt and light to your conversation, You could just throw out that, oh, and I went to church this Sunday and the pastor started a new series on the Gospel of John. Throw that out there. Now, if they quickly change the subject, yeah, that weather out there is pretty cold. Those Broncos, blah, blah, blah. If they quickly change the subject, I'm not asking you to force it. I'm not asking you to beat them over the head with the Bible. But I'm praying for you. And I have been praying all this week. And I pray you might pick up this challenge that they might say, well, what, what is the Gospel of John? Or what's that John 3.16 thing? Or oh, what kind of church do you go to anyways? Or is that a book in the Bible? What do you believe anyways? Or, are you a Christian? They might, if the door is open for conversation, well then let it flow. Listen to them. Talk with them. Invite them to a place like this sermon series throughout the, the rest of, you know, till Easter is gonna be where week after week, we open up the gospel of John and we preach Jesus and why he came and who he is. So that's the challenge for you. Uh, All that to say um, that this sermon series is going to be all about Jesus, God coming to his creation. So this is point number two, if you're taking notes. Point number two is God came to his own creation. That's what we believe the good news is. That's what the gospel of uh, of John is, is letting us know, that God came to this earth as one of us. God came to his own creation. 
Stay with me for just a moment. You're about to get really lost if you don't pay attention for the next 20 seconds. Uh, but in the Old Testament, so do you hear a little pop quiz for you? Uh, what series were we in before? The, we're in the Gospel of John now. And then before that, we were in a series about Christmas and Advent. And then here's the question. What sermon series were we in before that? Kings. Wow, good job, class. Well done. So in the book of Kings, which is an Old Testament book, some thousand-ish years before the book we're at now, thousand years before Jesus, a guy named Solomon lived. His father was David. David, you know, united the kingdoms. David and Goliath became king uh, on his deathbed, gives the kingdom to Solomon. And what is Solomon's great achievement? He builds the temple. And at the temple celebration, he dedicates the temple with a prayer. And you can read about that prayer. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 8 has that prayer in it. It's the same prayer, by the way, that, that about six plus years ago, when we were first started meeting in this building, I read and prayed that prayer of dedication over this building. And it's Solomon's prayer of dedication. And in that prayer of dedication, you can go read it in 1 Kings chapter 8, there is a question that kind of reoccurs in Solomon's prayer. He says this, this is 1 Kings 8, 27. Just a simple question, but will God really dwell on earth? Solomon is praying and asking this question, will God dwell on earth? And here he is, he's, he's commissioned this great temple and the foundations of which are still in Israel. It's been decimated, but there is foundational stones uh, in Israel that you can go to today. And as he's building this great building for worship, he asks the question, but God, will you even, will you actually dwell here? And we see throughout the Old Testament, God appearing here and giving a vision here, giving a prophetic word here and there, God speaking and appearing. And of course, in the temple is this place where God mysteriously and spiritually sits between the cherubim and his presence is there. But of course, we believe God is everywhere as well. And so Solomon has this reoccurring question in this prayer. But God, will you live here on earth? Will you actually come? And that question is not answered until the first pages of the New Testament. It's answered here in the Gospel of John. That God made his dwelling among us. That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And it was life and light. And then the word becomes flesh and makes his dwelling among us. So the answer to Solomon's question is, yes, yeah, God will come. And he is, now we look back to Jesus and the cross and we would say, he has, God has fully come into this world in the person of Jesus. Fully God, fully human. That's who we believe God is. I have four boys. My wife is here. One of the boys here. Hi, Rowan. And uh, uh, a couple, I think it was a couple years ago, they were really into rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. And they were doing the rock, paper, scissors. And then one of them, I think at school or something, heard a different version. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Anything you want to do. And so while the other kids were doing either rock or paper or scissor, somebody else would say, anything you want to do. And they would throw out like hammer. And then a hammer obviously beats paper or scissors or rock, and so they would win. And then things escalated. Well, what could beat a hammer? And then they would say something else. And then they would get to like uh, animals, rock, paper, scissors, shoot, anything you want to do, lion, gorilla. And then they would argue about who would win. 
And then, oh, what beats anything in the animal kingdom? A superhero, rock, paper, scissors, shoot, anything you want to do. Batman, Superman, and then they would argue about, well, Superman's got powers. Batman's all these cool toys. Who would win? And they would come talk to me. Dad, dad, what? Dad, what? Dad, what? Dad, what? (laughs) Who would win? Batman, Superman. And, And then things, I mean, where do you go from superheroes? And then they said, rock, paper, scissors, shoot, anything you want to do. One of them said, Jesus. And the other one said, God. And then a little argument between a four-year-old and a six-year-old about, well, who would win? God or Jesus? And there were, one of them was like, well, Jesus walked on water. And the other, well, God split the, the ocean and split the sea. So uh, we need to ask dad, dad. What? Dad. What? Dad. What? Dad. What? Who would win? God or Jesus? It's a great question, right? I said, well, we believe that Jesus is God. So both of you would win. But but Jesus and God, they're the same. Jesus is God. I think they left the conversation both high-fiving each other, thinking they both won. But that's, I mean, that little silly sermon illustration is, well, well, that's what we hold to. We hold to Jesus being fully God. Now, this phrase that is both point number one and the title of this sermon is that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word in the English word, do you know what the Greek is? Anybody know? It starts with an L. Logos, quite a few of you knew. Good. Uh, logos isn't. It's we kind of think of it as a Christian word, maybe. Um, but it, but it predates the Bible. It predates the New Testament. Uh, Aristotle, about three hundred years before Jesus, used the term logos in a philosophical sense. He used it as a word bridge between two things. Whenever you have a person talking and another person listening, you have three parts: the the person talking the person listening, and the message going between them. And that's kind of a good uh, metaphor for what this Greek concept of logos is. It's the word bridge or the communication bridge between someone saying something and someone understanding it. Let's say uh, you have like a young man who wants to let a young girl know that he's interested in her. How would he do that? Well, he would, he would, Say things and do things. Would you, would you like to hear my story real quick? My, me and Erica's story of how we met. All the women are like, oh. All the guys are like, eh, whatever. Uh, I didn't tell Erica I was going to tell the story. but and, and so after I tell it, you'll have to come up and ask her what the real story is. Because sure, I have it all wrong, I'm sure. Uh, but here's what I can remember. That uh, I started liking her. And I think she liked me too. Right? At the beginning. She, yeah, right. And right as we were, uh, like, kind of, we, like, we were hanging out in similar groups. We met at church, which is a great place to meet someone. Uh, and we, uh, she, she was doing the school of worship. I was an associate pastor. We had friends. We'd go out to dinner. And I, I would try to, like, move my seat and try to get as close, you know, try to sit next to her. And so that we would be next to each other during, like, the, you know, a group of friends going out to eat. And uh, as we began, I, I had feelings for her. She started this internship at New Life. They had an internship called The furnace. Anybody remember the furnace? 
couple, couple hands. It was a prayer internship, part-time prayer internship, where you learned about prayer. You had to do so many prayer meetings, go to prayer meetings, have an accountability group, study scriptures together. It was, it was an incredible internship. She did that. And uh, one of the rules was you weren't, during that semester, you weren't allowed to date anyone. We want you to be plugged in to the Lord and, what, and your life and growing in the Lord. So we want you to set aside romantic relationships for the semester. So she agreed to that. And so for this semester, I was trying to get the message across that I liked her. So we, we would hang out in groups of friends. I remember this one time we uh, went to a movie and everybody but her and I like canceled. And so it was just her and I, and she wasn't allowed to go on a date because going to a movie with someone alone, that would be a date. And we weren't allowed to go to the date. So I called up my friend, Kevin, who ended up being my best man. I was like, Kevin, I don't know what you're doing tonight, but you got to come with Erica and I to a movie and just like sit over there or something, but you got to come. And he, so he came and it was this awkward little, like, what's going on here? <laughs> this is so weird. Cause I'm like, bending the rules but not breaking the rules and I would send her little notes and they weren't romantic notes they were just encouraging notes and through this semester I tried to do certain things that would give her the message that I liked her that I was there that I wanted to pursue her and so think about that being the logos like all those things those words those things that I did that would be the logos the message of trying to say that I was interested and I, I had feelings and, and so on and so forth. So take that and try to think about this word now being used in the sense of scripture and God and what he's trying to do. God wants to let us know that he's there, that he loves us, that he's pursuing us and that he wants us to turn to him. What does he do? Well, he does a lot of things. He I you know, think of just things like he paints a sunset. He speaks to us in, in, in still small voice. He shows us things. He, sh- he shows us uh, the wonderful love between uh, parents and children. And we think, oh, there, there must be a heavenly God like that. God does things like that. But ultimately, he becomes the logos himself. He becomes that message. The one with a message of love and hope becomes that message himself. He becomes the Logos. The Logos becomes flesh and makes his dwelling among us. So that's a little insight into this Greek concept of in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and and then he becomes flesh. The Word made himself flesh and made his dwelling among us. This narrative is written. This is the last point of this three-point sermon. Point three is John writes this narrative, the, the gospel. John writes this narrative so that we might become children of God. You know, John is not just writing a, a nice story, an inspirational story. You know, I think of you know books or movies that we go to and we finish the movie or the book and just sit there and wonder, like, wow, that was incredible. The artistry was beautiful. Uh, the cinematography, the, the words the author chose, this is poetic, this is beautiful, this is awesome, this is awe-inspiring. And I think all of those things are true about the Gospel of John. It's, it's awe-inspiring, it's poetic, it's awesome, it's beautiful, it's simply written. It's incredible that a fisherman wrote this. It's, it's also wonderful. But John isn't just inspiring. He's, he's drawing a, a line in the sand. He wants you to believe in Jesus 
to become a child of God, to not just think about Jesus as a good teacher or a prophet, but to put your faith and your hope and your life in this one who has come. He's claiming, John, the writer of this gospel, is claiming that Jesus is God because that's what Jesus taught. And he writes this whole gospel. In the end, it gets to chapter 21. He says, I could have wrote down many more miracles and it's all for you to believe and understand that Jesus is God and you can follow him and you can receive his salvation. Amen? This uh, person of John is uh, not John the Baptist. John was a very common name in the ancient world. So we have several different Johns in the New Testament. One of them is John the Baptist. One of them is John the Disciple. And and most people, scholars would say, and in fact, it's not that uh, debated, that in the end of the book of John, uh, the author identifies himself as the one who he has been mentioning as the beloved. And so this disciple, one of Jesus' disciples, one of the twelve, is John. He has a brother named James. James and John are the son of sons of thunder. So the Greek word is Zebedee. And so the dad's name is Zebedee, or th- dad's name is Thunder. That's kind of weird. Uh, must have been a crazy guy. Uh, it has two sons, John's and James, maybe other sons, sons as well. James and John become disciples. John is this one who is very close to Jesus and refers to himself kind of in the third person as the beloved disciple. And he writes this gospel so that, I mean, you could read the end and see, like John says, here's why I'm writing this, so that you might know and believe and put your faith in him. You know, it's, it's pretty fascinating that this letter is so incredibly written. Uh, I took a, a class um, in college. So this is before, I told you a story of seminary and Greek and memorizing. This is before that. This is my college years. And uh, I went to a state school. So a secular school wasn't a Christian school. And I took an English as literature class. It was kind of like a postmodern approach of the English literature. And this word postmodern was a word we used to use in the 90s to talk about like what we're thinking and how people philosophically were thinking in the 90s. And we thought it was a really cool word in college. And uh, I had this teacher who was this this woman. She's an incredible teacher, very wise, brilliant, uh, a published uh, author. And she wrote in journals for English literature. Uh, and, and she was a postmodern literary critic. And she would always abbreviate, abbreviate that to a pomo lit crit. I'm a pomo lit crit, and I hope to teach this class in such a way that you will put on your pomo lit crit hats and study these writings in the English language as a pomo lit crit. And she was it's just a fun word to say, uh, words to say, pomo lit crit. And this teacher, uh, she had us read in a secular class, she had us read as literature the Gospel of John. Has anybody ever been in a, in a secular class where you read the Bible as literature? Just me, a couple of people. Uh, I remember in high school we did that. I remember in th- this class I'm telling you about now in college, we read the Gospel of John as literature. And she wasn't a believer. I think hardly any of the other students were believers. Uh, and I was a believer. And it was just a fascinating class to be reading this Gospel alongside of so many who were just reading it as literature. And one of the things that came up was like, how in the world... Could this ancient first century uh, Middle Eastern fisherman have written the Gospel of John? It's just too profound. It's just too poetic. It's, it's so simple, and yet it's so complex at the same time. And so all the students were talking about this, and the teacher was talking about this. And I just kept having the same idea, like, like this, is what, this is what God does with us. 
I think of Romans 4.17. He calls those things that are not as though they are. This is the miracle of the word of God that he, he speaks to us. He speaks even to like a, a fisherman with, with no, seemingly no training in the Greek language. And out of him comes this masterpiece of literature, just talking about it in a secular way. But this clear dividing line of what he wants us to know, that he sat with Jesus. He was the one, maybe even of the disciples, the one that was the most close to Jesus. And he can tell you firsthand that the claims Jesus made about himself are true. And the miracles and the, the resurrection story, that there, it's true that Jesus is who he said he was. He is fully God and we can follow him for our salvation. Would you stand with me this morning? The band can come forward. They're going to lead us in a, another song. If you're on the communion team, you can also come forward to prepare. We're going to receive communion today. And you don't need to be a member of this church to come and to receive communion. If you've put your faith in Jesus, if you believe in him, you can come. If that's not where you're at this morning, then we're, we're really glad you're here. We're, maybe someone invited you and, and, and you're just hearing this and thinking about it. We're, we're glad that you're here. There's, there's, this is a, a community, a table that is open. So this is Jesus' table. He says, all those who are hungry, you come. Another analogy is Jesus standing at the door and knocking. Here's the passage I want to read for you to consider as we come to the table. This is, I already read this, so this is a reread of verses 9 through 14. This is why John is writing this, to let us know that light has come into the world. John chapter 1, verse 9 says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming in the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who do receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent or of human decision or of husband's will, but born of God. The word, and we know that is the logos, the, me the message, the messenger became the message. The Logos became flesh and made his dwelling among us and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This morning as you come, we'll, we'll filter through the aisles down the center and communion servers will hand you the elements and say Christ's body and blood for you. Would you take the elements, would you just go back to where you're standing and, and wait there, stand there. We're gonna, all going to receive these elements together in unison. Let me pray a blessing. Lord, we, we come to your table. It's a, it's a table that is open. It's a table where you've stood at the door of our hearts and you've been knocking. So this morning, Lord, we, we come to your table to receive, to believe, to hope, to put our faith in you, that you are who you said you were, that you're fully God. We worship you this morning. We receive your body and your blood broken for us, shed for us. It's the body of Christ for the body of Christ. The gifts of God for the people of God. I can't get enough No, I can't get enough of your amazing
to get the bread. As you hold it up, would you remember that Christ's body was broken for you, was lifted on the cross. We receive this bread for his life inside of us. Would you receive the bread with me? Jesus, on the night before he would be killed, betrayed this night, he took a cup, he lifted it, and he said, this is my blood, a, a new covenant, my life shed for you. His life is for us. He died on the cross, his blood was spilled so that we might be new and saved and clean before our God. So would you receive this cup with me? of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, as your servants here, we worship you. We thank you for this gift that you've given to us, this gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation. So though we praise your name, we leave here excited about the study of this book that is all about you. It's all about you, Jesus, as God, the miracles you've done and the things you said and your stories of you, God, on this earth as one of us. We praise you, Lord. We worship you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, as you go from here, we we will always have a prayer team up here. It's one of the things I really enjoy, praying with you. The worship sometimes leads to the sermon, sometimes leads to a moment of just getting prayed for. So we would love to pray for you. The communion team will come back, and I'll be down here as well to, to pray with you or to pray over you. If you're new to church or if you're not on our email list, you would know because you're like, I don't know that I get the emails. Well, fill out the QR code on the backs of the chairs or fill out a guest card as you leave. We have a gift for you, a book. Uh, It's a year-long devotional that you can get started on right now because it's still the beginning of the year. And we also now have a CD of our own New Life Manitou original worship that we want to give to you. So we have a gift for you. If you're not sure you're on the email list, Fill it out anyways. We have a gift for you. Uh, Tuesday, this Tuesday, a couple days, we'll be right here at 6.30 p.m. for a prayer night, 6.30 to 7.30. It's a family service, an extended time of, of worship, prayer, reading scriptures. Please come back. It, you, you won't want to miss these nights of worship that we're having once a month. Uh, join our volunteer team. That's another announcement. Uh, especially like today, uh, cars didn't start in our kids' ministry. We're kind of scrambling uh, for our kids' ministry volunteers. We would love to have you on any one of our teams, especially our kids' ministry in the next generation that needs to hear the lessons that, of, of Jesus and, and, and make those lessons come alive for their different age groups. 6.33, that's our high school ministry this Wednesday, uh, 6.33 p.m. Uh, men's ministry is launching in a couple weeks on January 25th. That's Thursday. We'll be launching the men's ministry. More about that in a moment uh, uh, throughout the weeks as we get closer to that launch. And our women's ministry. Any women in the house? Uh, we have a women's retreat in February, February 8th, 9th, and 10th. Uh, the cost is going to vary on depending on what, what kind of uh, availability you have for like different rooms and what kind of experience you want if you want to come up for the whole retreat uh, or, or just for Friday night. Uh, it is uh, It will be on the website this week. You'll get an email about it, so make sure you're on our email list, and it'll be on Instagram and Facebook on how to register for the women's retreat and more information about that. Let me pray a blessing over you. Would you just open up your hands to receive this? It's just a posture, an attitude of receiving from the Lord. 
Lord, would you bless us and keep us. May your face be with us. May your presence go with us as we consider that you, God, became one of us, the word made flesh. Lord, would you go with us this week? Would you remind us of your presence upon our lives? We pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace.